Hey, hello, hello. You have made it. Uh, I am Michael Zinn. You are here at the live stream of consciousness. I am here at the live stream of consciousness. Uh, one of my most favorite places to be every week. It means it's Thursday. It's February 16th today. I'm just looking at the date. Um, and uh, it's the middle of winter, but it hasn't been too harsh. We had a couple of frigid days last week, but uh, it's been a pretty mild winter. Um, but uh, I'm just making some observations there. But uh, anyway, welcome. Uh, it's good to see you guys here uh, at my happy place. Um, I love being here, the live stream of consciousness. If you haven't been here before, is just a place to talk about um, consciousness and, and being and, and I guess sharing ideas about how to how to make it easier to be and and live a happier life um uh, you know if if this stuff resonates with you you know then 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 it works and we all can live a happier life so welcome uh I, it's good to see everybody out there i see uh ninja kitty out there what's happening uh popping these up i see julie's out there uh I think my friend Leslie's out there. She said she was going to tune in. I'm hoping she's out there. Uh, it's going to be a really interesting episode today. Um, I have on a guest who has been listening to the show since the beginning. Um, I, I believe that he was actually friends with uh, Jesse Blaze Snyder. Uh, what's up, Janice? Before uh, the show even started. Um, and so when the show started, he was there immediately and quickly became a friend of the show, uh, a friend of mine, and uh, is just an, has an amazing story himself. So we decided to have him on the show and, and give him some space to talk about his stuff. Um, and so I guess we'll do that. I will uh, I'll, I'll show you some of the stuff that we did with him over the years. Uh, with him here because I love to go through uh, memories like that with people here. So uh, if you haven't heard his name before or you don't know who's coming on the show, uh, welcome to the show, Tim Lorenz. What's happening? Or is it Lorenz? It's Lorenz. <laughs> okay, Tim Lorenz. What's happening, Tim? Welcome to the show. Uh, so much has happened. Um, Tony, you want to say hi real quick? <laughs> Oh, good to see you. Oh, hello. Good to see you. Hola. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? It's great to it's great to see you, Sonia. She's doing well. She's a little tired. She was uh working. And today was our uh we've been together three years now. Oh, awesome. Uh, actually, it was three years ago today and, and uh, probably in about an hour or so that she uh, had sent a friend request to me on Facebook. And then after that, she said, boy, me namo Sunia. And then it went from there. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I, I definitely want to hear the whole entire story. That's so cool that you know the exact day and time that the uh, Facebook message was sent. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's so cool to see you guys together. Uh, we've been through so much, it seems, over the past couple of years, um, you know, kind of uh, watching your whole relationship with Sonia evolve uh, into what it is today. Uh, and we will talk about that in a minute. But you know what's coming, don't you? Yes. 
Yes, I do. <laughs> so uh, one of my favorite things to do is is always ask the same question, get a little bit more of the ever-expanding answer to what is consciousness? What is consciousness, Tim? Um, to me, it's I, – I, I know I answered it once before, so this might be a little different than one was what I answered it's, before. It's different from moment to moment. But for me, it, it's just when you get to that point, when you realize that there's so much more than you ever dreamed that there was. And when you open yourself up to the possibilities of anything, then everything is a possibility and nothing's impossible. So mm. when you get to that point, that's when I feel like you're really conscious of, of everything. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. excellent i love that that's a that's a great answer and and you know like you said from moment to moment i think your thoughts about what consciousness is are different um I, you know again you're coming at it from the idea of uh of it, of being aware and and kind of of what the possibilities are and again you know we always talk about infinite possibilities here you know and and really the possibilities are, are what you decide they are Right. And and just like just like you can decide what they aren't, you can decide what they are, you know, and and I think a lot of people decide what the possibilities aren't before they try to decide what they are. Um, Yes. And and that and you know what, that's why I like talking about consciousness, you know, and, uh, you know, exploring different ways to think about it, because that opens you up to those possibilities, you know. Um, So so the next part of that question is. do you is there a specific moment that you can uh talk about that you made that realization that everything was so much more than than you ever thought well uh, yes and no um i would say being a lorenz it would behoove me not to say that i think it's being that uh uh edward norton lorenz was the one who created the butterfly effect right so Interesting. And, this is a, an uh, an ancestor of yours. Uh, he's in my family tree somewhere. I don't. I never okay. actually followed it around. But when you look okay. at pictures of him, he looks just like my dad. Wow. And my family tree is a little hard to follow because Lorenz is dependent on when they came. Sometimes they change the spelling. Like I know hmm. my my grandfather died uh, rather young when 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 my when my dad was only twelve, his father died. So, but I know that he had changed the spelling of our last name. It originally mm-hmm. ended with, a, I believe, a C at the end, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. their alphabet, because he's from Austria, didn't have a Z. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people were pronouncing it wrong. They were pronouncing it Frank, mm-hmm. um, but it's Lorenz. But we're, we're from Austria, and that's where he was from. Um, so he's in the tree somewhere, I'm sure. If we think, All right. So and, like my dad. Um, but and so he discovered the butterfly effect, or he came up with the theory? Tell us what yeah, that he, is. Yeah, he discovered it and came up with the whole theory. He came up with He was watching the, the – there's a thing online that you would probably like looking at. It's called the Lorenz Arbitra, or uh, I think it's Arbitra. Uh, anyway, but it, it basically looks like something that, um, like, Brian would have made with the lights. You know okay. what I mean? And yeah. So, and, and it kind of – and it, it's in the shape of a butterfly. And now I know a part of that they kind of went away from a little bit, but um, – but getting back to the reason why I say that I have to say that is that I feel like everybody has a, a, a progression to consciousness. Now, let's say the number would be 16 is perfect consciousness. You could get there with, say, 16. Boom, you're there. You had the event that did it. 
or you can get there with 16 ones, or you can get there with, you know, a couple of four fours, or however you get there is yeah. different for everybody. But for me, I think it's not the big things that necessarily always change your consciousness. To me, I think it's those small little butterflies mm-hmm. that get in there and, mm-hmm. and they, they, you keep going back to them. It's like, because the big ones, you know what they're about and you know, when it hits you, you can't, you can't ignore them. Right, you know? right. But those little ones, when they get in there like an earworm, yeah. and they get in there and they're going around and around in there. And eventually, like, this thing's not adding up to me. So it's kind of like that. I've had a lot of little different things throughout my life that kind of guided me to there. And then ultimately, I would say definitely after, which we'll get into in a little bit, after everything I went through, um, I would say that that's what cemented me and really opened me up to, especially right before. You know, after my after my marriage was no more, I went through a period there where I really kind of reinvented myself. And mm-hmm. uh, that's when I really say I opened up my possibilities, because before mm-hmm. that, I wouldn't say I was totally close minded, but I had a certain view. I was very skeptical of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And I've loosened up on that quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Um, right, right. But, but that's where it would start with me. Um, and interesting, one thing I got to say that uh, also about when he described the butterfly effect, Edward Norton, uh, he gave a, a speech back in 72. And the interesting thing that he said was that when a butterfly flaps its wings in Brazil, it creates a tornado in Texas. Now, it, it's almost my situation exactly. My butterfly, he didn't notice, but that's Sunita. She was in Brazil. Mm-hmm. And she mm-hmm. flapped her wings and created a tornado in my heart in Pennsylvania. Oh, he was a little bit off, but he was almost right. <laughs> no, but that's cool and and very romantic, Tim. Very, very cute. Very. Yeah. Awesome. I, I love that, and and I love your story. I want to get to that wonderful ending, or or kind of not the ending, but the current place where you're at. And I know you had mentioned that there's some some you know some stuff going on adversity, but but I know that you, you know how you face that adversity, uh, and and I want to talk about that, and you know also I. I kind of um, build you as a musician, an artist, a poet. So I want to talk about all of the creative stuff uh, as well. Um, I have a bunch of stuff that I want to share that is more related to uh, your friendship with the show when we did the episode uh, with you and Sonia. Uh, and I, I want to share that in a minute. But I want to even go back before that if if you want and if you're willing to uh, uh, talk about the the hardships that you went to, through. I was I know for me I was particularly amazed when I found out that you uh, were one day told that you had to have your stomach removed, and I yeah. I just couldn't even wrap my head around it. Um, and and again, just knowing who you are before I heard that, and and your spirit and your energy and your your kind of zest for life and and positive attitude, I was amazed to hear that that is something you've been through. So tell us how that happened. Tell us what that even means. I mean, I don't think, you know, like I said, I think for some people can't even really understand that that's a possibility. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, one thing I just want to go back to before I forget, um, you were saying in the beginning, whether or not I was friends with Jesse or not. Yeah, I was friends with Jesse from the beginning. And then I came on, I came on board. Um, mm-hmm. So that's how I came on. I just want to make sure that mm-hmm. I actually, uh, an interesting way that we had met uh, was that um, he had actually came onto my uh, Twitter and I actually was friends with him on Facebook, but then he found me later on Twitter and he 
messaged me and he said, for one, he said, you have the coolest bio that I've ever seen. You have a little bio in there here. Like, then he also said, I was looking at some of your poems and stuff. And he said, dude, you can write. And I was like, thanks. And then wow. that's when he was, he was working on his, uh, his album and stuff. And he asked me if I could help him with some stuff and write, uh, write up all his lyrics for him and whatnot. So I, that's how we started the ball rolling. And then we got to be good friends and then he asked he needed help with his car. So I came out and helped him with that. Yeah. I remember that. I remember yeah, that. So, so, and then, uh, that's how, that's how we kind of came about, but so that was cool. Yeah. But, uh, that's great. Yeah. So, uh, and this, this, so I, I can really sometimes talk. So if you want to need to redirect me at any point or if I say <laughs> I'll, you know, I'll jump in, I'll jump in if I have to No, but this, <laughs> is, this is really, I can get off on it a little bit. yeah, that's but, all right. Um, this, this is some space for you to tell your story. I know, I know I find it interesting and, and this is, that's what the live stream is about connecting people together. You know what I mean? And through, through their stories and through their energy and uh, you know, your energy is what, what, made me have you on here so so let's let's have it let's have some okay. of that energy okay so now i was wondering there's a couple of things that i could go back a little further for they i'll run through them real quick but they kind of connect a little bit to where i got to that point of okay when i was told so it didn't seem like i'm going back pretty far but it connects um but so uh, the main thing was i, I want to get across was that I was always had a little bit of health issues in some ways. Um, Cause when I was, when I was born, um, when I was only six weeks old, my mom got, uh, she had uh, chicken pox and got, and, and I got them too. So I had them so bad that I, I was covering head to toe and I had them actually inside and inside my lungs. Ooh, yeah. So I had a horrible case that caused mm. some, some, uh, tissues or, or, I mean not tissue issues <laughs> in in my lungs so sure. that it, it did some tissue damage scar tissue yeah 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 Yeah, so I got scar tissue in there from it that's how bad it was and then I also had gotten scarlet fever so I oh, had geez. that going on so then we go a little forward in the thing and uh, I've also had a few accidents that were pretty major that happened along the way uh the first one wasn't so bad it, I was like two years old and I was running and I tripped over the corner of the one road and fluent and I, I bit through my lips. I have a scar here that oh. I bit through and I had actually ended up from that. I don't know if it was from that or if it, if it would have happened anyway, but I ended up growing two sets of teeth. So one grew in behind the, the back of it. So they, oh, had wow. to, they actually had to uh, surgically yank them all out. Wow. <laughs> they, did it. they didn't fall out on their own. Holy um, moly. And then I also, not that long after that, uh, I was, I, I was running again and I tripped and I hit my ear on the corner of the table and it was like basically kind of hanging off almost separated like that. So I remember going and like I said, I was really young. I was like two, two and a half, maybe three. And they took me and they reattached that. So okay. then um, they thought that I was a hyperactive child, obviously, because I was doing that, which I was to a degree, I'm sure. But a lot of it, I think, was just my natural energy because seeing Taryn, I mean, he's got the same thing. So I think it's kind of just normal in a way. But anyway, so but they had put me I, I mean, I grew up on Long Island and I don't know if it's even still there, but they had a, a preschool that was for like people with uh, kids with disciplinary issues and stuff. And they want to get you ready for school. So that was my issue being uh, kind of hyperactive and stuff. So when I was in there, they had those those balls that um you can get inside kind of a free runner of a knocker ball but it was 
instead of being the, you know, that soft balloon that you get inside of now and you can hit it, it was made of plastic and it had two holes on the sides and you get in. So they had these things <laughs> and I was inside of one and somehow I stuck my head out at the right time and I hit it right on the corner of a wall. Oh, and when Jesus. I did it, I cracked my head open and they had, they, I remember laying there waiting for them to come get me. They put a, they had a juice can from, cause I was like three, maybe, maybe three and a half. And they got this juice can to put it on my head and I'm waiting for them to come. And then I had to get, I got a whole bunch of stitches from that. Holy so, moly. I can remember that. Um, but so, so going a little further from that, um, I was, I had that hyperactivity going on and everything. So when they did my initial evaluation for, for school, you know, they do an IQ test. So, and I'm not, I've never been a good morning person or anything like that. So apparently they gave me my first IQ test and they did it when, uh, and I also, I, I sorry, but I, I also forgot to mention I had a stutter too. Um, so oh, I wow. was, I was having a, that stutter going on. So I had a couple of different issues like that. So when they first did it, they gave me that test and I guess I didn't do so good in it because they have, um, two kindergartens that they used to have back then because they're not as politically correct as they are now with certain things. But they basically had the one where you went if you were over a certain level and the one where you went if you're under a certain level. So they put me in in the one for the certain level. And uh, I started making friends there. I was only there for like a week. And and then one of the teachers realized, nah, he's not in the right side at all. So I remember they, I, I, I make attachments with people pretty quickly. And so, but I made, I made friends there. And then, so I remember being, they had to drag me across the hall to the other one because that's where they wanted me to be. So I went there and for a few days, I was just, I would come to school crying and everything. But anyway, so, so they had, I had that going on. And so then they gave me a new test and they realized that I was like super advanced. So then they, uh, they put me in like the BOCES. Uh, that's what they had out there in New York. I don't know if you're ever were involved with this but yeah yeah i know i know what it is yeah i'm that. familiar yeah so i got put in that and um but uh also what i had going on though is i also had chronic bronchitis and a couple other things because i had asthma real bad too okay so, so i was in and out of the hospital mostly in brookhaven and riverhead and southampton i was in and out of those hospitals and, wow um, yeah so i and i i had two surgeries that i can remember One's a little embarrassing, but it's okay. I'll talk about it. Is that my first surgery I ever had, and I think I was four. I'm not exactly sure. But the the opening for my urethra was too small. So when I would pee, I could, like, it would hurt, but I could shoot it super far. Right? <laughs> so I remember that a little bit. I remember that I always had problems with it. So oh God, I remember they took me to go for the test they had to do, and they put this metal rod down there, which – you know, it's really not fun for anybody, never mind a four-year-old. So, but um, I remember when I when I went in for that, then they were getting me ready for the um, for anesthesia and everything. They that you know you had to stay back then. They were pretty rigid about stuff. So my mom was there a lot, but there was mm -hmm. times when she wasn't there. So they had me hooked up to the the machine. Uh, you know, to the the back then they had the glass uh, IV bottles and what they did with the, the glass bottles is they had them by the bed. And so apparently with the way that I am, um, I woke up and the bottle was over on the ground smashed 
and I had the IV, the line wasn't attached anymore. It was about like that long coming out my arm there. And they had, they had you know, they would put the board on there when you're a kid so that they, they hold it right. But anyway, and, and there's just blood tripping out. Oh, line. Jesus. And there's nobody oh, there. No way. Up, and I'm looking I'm like, what the heck? So I started, I got out of the bed and I started walking down the hall. And I just remember them looking at me and then say, saying, oh my gosh. And then I don't remember anything. I guess I passed out or something. But wow. that was like one of my first, like saying, okay, this is what surgeries are like. This is what, you know, you're dealing with. And so, how old uh, were you? How old were you at that point? I was around four, I think, four to five. Oh my years God. Old. So we, we've, we've only gotten to four years old so far. <laughs> yeah. So, and then. Oh my God, Tim. Crazy. Yeah. The, the one good thing about that is I don't know what point it happened with me being in and out of the hospital, but being that I was in New York, the one thing, and I, and he was nobody yet at that point because it was before that, but they had the, uh, the wrestlers from the WWF at the time. Mm -hmm. um, they would have wrestlers and stuff come in and give toys out to kids or whatnot. And at the time, he was nobody, but uh, he was this Terry Bollea, but later became Hulk Hogan had come through there. Wow. And so I, had, I met him really early on. I didn't really know who he was, so I wasn't into wrestling at that point. But sure. looking back, it was something pretty cool. That, he that is cool, through. yeah. That's a yeah. cool story. So, Because there was other ones. I don't remember who all they were, but he was the one that stood out. Um, but, uh, but anyway, so uh, the, then, uh, the next major thing that had happened was um, – we were we were involved in the fresh air fund where we had uh, people, uh, uh, kids, I should say, not people, that come out from the city to stay with my parents and us for the for the summers. Mm -hmm. And this one kid, Santos, came out, and we were on the swings. Uh, we had I don't know if you uh, know they kind of like you sit they're two they're two seated this way, and you sit on this side, and you're supposed to sit in it. And then oh yeah, yeah. Right and then the other one's the opposite way. Well, obviously us being, uh, he was a bit older than me. Uh, taller too i was i was around five and i i'm not sure exactly how old he was but he was probably i would say at least eight nine or ten somewhere in there. i don't remember exactly. okay but anyway so we're on there and we're standing on it going back and forth right and so i flew off of it right i hit my head and then i was unconscious for four days <laughs> and it turned out that i had fractured fractured my skull Oh my god, that's yeah. crazy! Yeah, those I remember those swing sets. They were not very safely engineered. <laughs> no, no, no. If I could remember, no. we, we I see uh, Hat Pauser out there saying, "Hey there, peeps! What's up, Hat? Welcome to the live stream." Uh, yeah. So, so then that one I I, I won't go into that now because it, it doesn't really apply to this, but it is something you'd want to hear at some point. Um, because I kind of had an experience with that, like while I was out what I remember from that for the four um, days. Oh yeah. 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 And then, so then, but then I had woke up from that and there was a pool party going on. <laughs> I was on the inside on the couch and then I come out and they, my parents were having this pool party. And I remember my, my grandfather was there and he's like, Oh my God, you're up. <laughs> so it was interesting. That's, but, uh, Jill's anyway. asking, do you think you had an out of body experience? Uh, I, I, looking back now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, it was some pretty interesting thing with it. I mean, I was at the time, my, my family was in a certain way with religious things and, and we're kind of brought up to think a certain way about those things. So I didn't really think much of it at the time, but I still remember it like I did then. So, you know, but it's interesting, but uh, I'll just stick with the medical stuff for now to get to where I want to say. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. 
It's what a crazy so, journey. I can't even believe it. So so young. Yeah. You've been through just crazy, like this journey of of crazy uh mishaps before you know five years old. <laughs> yeah, there was there was just a lot that happened. Yeah. Um but so so I, I had a lot that um going on and I mean I fractured skull at that point is, is not good for anybody. <laughs> but so yeah, coming from there. Um so the, the next one that I would get to is that um that I had asthma real bad. So they wouldn't let me out uh to go outside when it was under fifty degrees. And mm. you know, living on Long Island in the school year for lunch and recess, that's like a big part of the year. Yeah. So I hated that because they would take me in. I would be the only one inside that all the other kids would be outside. So I hated that. So at some point, I don't remember exactly when it was, but I want to say it was probably in third or fourth grade. I decided, well, I had enough of this. I, I'm not, I'm going to go out with, I mean, I want to go out with the other kids. I don't want to be in here. So um, I started just every day. I would just, and it's not supposed to work, but somehow it, it kind of did is I pushed myself every day. I just started running mm. and running and running and running in the cold and running and running. I got to where, I could tolerate it and not have, you know, the, the problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just didn't want it anymore. And uh, it's not really supposed to work because a lot of times I mean, I, I would, during when the process was going on, I was wheezing my head like crazy laying on the ground every time after I get a little further, a little further, a little further, you know, right, right, right. So, but I guess I created that uh, help get my capacity a little bit better. Wow. Yeah, no, you definitely built up the, whatever it was, the, the tolerance, yeah. you know, to the, to the muscles and yeah crazy i just want to uh hat pow, hat hat powsers out there saying i'm trying to remember if i saw me on jesse howe uh of missing link or alex i have i was on jesse howe show jesse is amazing uh interviewer and i uh, had him on the show and then he had me on the show in return so that's probably where he saw me i don't think i was on that other show but welcome i appreciate you being here uh and uh and welcome hola <laughs> hola tim says hola i'm gonna ring my bell just to welcome the, the, the new people to the show. Awesome. Nice to have new people bring yes. everybody in. Yes. Anyway, but, so uh, not to interrupt your amazing uh, journey, so keep going. <laughs> right. So so then also around this time, um, I also, uh, between the fifth and, or I mean the, the sixth and seventh grade, there was a, a big change that went on because for a while I was getting bullied like a lot of people do. And looking back, it, it was bad, but it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. It was enough that made me at the point where I just didn't want it anymore. I couldn't, mm -hmm. I didn't want to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And so I just started where I started lifting weights. And uh, I got between, between the sixth and seventh grade going from, because out there with the sixth grade stopped the, the elementary school, seventh grade started, uh, basically junior high, but the junior high and the high school were all in one. So you mm -hmm. went from there right to junior high. But in between that summer, I bulked up a lot. I mean, mm -hmm. I just was a totally, it was totally different. Now I'm, I'm not tall enough, so I didn't really have like a gross bear, so I'm still small, but I put on a, a lot. So, right. and it, that's when, right after that, basically that all that stuff stopped. And I made, People I made your, friends. You stood up for yourself. People left you alone. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I made, I made friends with myself. Um, but that, but that put me on a path where I, I enjoyed that, obviously, and I stuck with it. And mm -hmm. later on, it's important because it's kind of what I think let me still be here, if, if you will. Because sure. I had yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That foundation when it came time to go through everything else. Sure. 
but um but yeah but i, I mean I, I learned a lot from that so um so going forward after that um we i, I grew up on Long island and then not too long uh in ninth grade um we moved out to pennsylvania but before that i got heavily involved not only that but i got heavily involved in BMX and, and uh, skateboard and all the kind of stuff. I got, I got pretty good at it. Actually, one of my friends that um, I had on Long Island became somebody that was in the X Games in the, the early X Games and was probably cool. before that. Name's Ken Harkin. Oh wow! Um, yeah, yeah, he was a uh, an announcer for uh, the the Do Tour and also for the X Games and stuff for a while. And he was cool. in Dave Mayer's BMX Two, uh, everything. So, so cool. I got involved with that. Another way I was really into uh, physical fitness and everything. So we moved to Pennsylvania, um, and then I was there for about two years. I ended up meeting my my ex-wife. Uh, I was working for the school, and um, so I was only 15 there. It was during that summer, but not too long after I moved there. So I met her, and things happened quickly, and I ended up she got pregnant so i mm. became a dad rather early i found out like you know i'm 15 years old and i got a child gonna be born in you know nine months and everything so i ended up where i was going to school i was working uh three jobs basically because what happened after my ninth grade year was i went to uh, uh a trade school for auto mechanics mm-hmm. and um so they put me out where I would basically go for school for four hours. And then I was out for like a co-op job uh, with, with working in auto mechanics. And I worked at a, I worked at Pizza Hut and I worked at Sears. So wow. my days were very full of. Holy moly. Stuff. And so that went on for a while. Um, but so jumping forward a bit after that. Well, I just want to say one thing that I was actually um, got so good at like they, they realized when aptitude going back to when they did that original test and they didn't think my IQ was that good and everything. Yeah. Um, they did an aptitude test on me. And when they did it at the time when I was in, they were looking for people that could score really high on this test to do with automatic mechanics and engineering and stuff like that. And I was one of the ones that took it. And I guess I scored really good on it because they were going to give me a scholarship to go to, and it was through Toyota. They were going to wow. send me to Japan for two years and basically when I came back, I could name any place I would want to work at. Um, and I could, you know, in, in the United States where they had the dealership and basically I was wow. in a high level, but I made the decision at that time because my daughter being born, I didn't want to leave and have her right. grow up, you know, with me not there. So I made that decision and it's one, I, I don't regret, but I kind of wonder what would happen, but you know, it's one of those things where, you just move on from and but it's yeah, something yeah, because it yeah. that I had scored really high. I was one of the, I don't remember what level it was in the nation, but I had scored sure, really sure, high. no, but that's great. So yeah. So but then going ahead, um we moved down from Pennsylvania um to North Carolina because my my daughter, uh not my daughter, my my grandfather was uh sick with emphysema. Okay. And he was dying. So we moved down for, for to be there for that to try to you know, get to know him more and be there. And also we had my, my ex-wife, um, well, she had, I didn't know it at the time. I always knew she was a little d- bit different, 
but it turns out that later on she it turned that she has 25 personalities documented that we know of definitely and she has more so so that was something that once we got down there that kind of came out and played out in several different ways but so but uh but we were there and so we had also kind of moved down there for stuff to do with her, her family that you know her past life was what made her that way so it wasn't it wasn't good stuff really so anyway, wow that's why we went yeah i want to i want to go get more into that if you if you're willing to we don't have to do it right this second but but uh, I feel I, that was another thing you talked about with me that I found very interesting about um, right. the way she would change physically, uh, her characteristics would change, and and that whole story is interesting as well. But but continue uh, along your thought process. Right. So so we were down there, and we were down there for for about four years. My my grandfather passed away about a year and a half after I was there. He passed away in '96. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway. Um, reason I get to that was we were actually getting, we, we thought about moving back in, in 2000, back up to Pennsylvania, because my daughter really was missing that area missing the family that was there. And, um, so we ended up moving back up, but before we did, um, I had a, a, uh, 1980 Ford Mustang that I had, I was driving for years and I had it down there and the last day it, it was needed it was dying and I was going to restore it. And I was buying a new car at the time, a, a, a neon and um, well new to me anyway, it wasn't brand new, but it was new to me. But anyway, the day that I was supposed to park that car and then go pick it up, I'm stopped at this intersection. All I had to do was like just make a kind of, a, it wasn't like a real turn. It's kind of like a fly like this, that you could go straight or you could go up to the side a little bit. So I'm stopped here and waiting because there's a car coming this way. All of a sudden, the next thing I know is I'm getting hit from behind and pushed into that car that came there. So during that accident, I, I the reason I'm bringing that up is because it leads to some other is that uh, you know obviously with being hit from behind and forward that it kind of does a lot to your neck, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So, but I, at the time I didn't realize that it had done as much damage as it did. But anyway, because mm-hmm. I got out of the car and I was wondering what happened and I looked and this this lady basically ran into me because she had a dog an old lady she had a dog on the seat and she looked over to look at the dog and, and the first thing she asked when she got out luckily nobody died or anything but the first thing she asked she didn't ask anything about me she didn't ask anything about nothing else she just asked is her dog okay you know so it's like that was a little a little bit annoying. i'm like look what you just did oh my <laughs> god so so but but from that i ended up where i had uh some damage in my neck um and uh from that time it started where I got nerve damage in, in these two fingers here. They've been for a long time uh, numb, and yep. they got they've gotten worse now from everything. But at the time, so they so they were they've been numb. Right. But that's anyway, the, that's the C five C six, right? Yes. That's very common. Yeah. Yeah. I have that. Yeah, too. So, so basically, after that, we we moved back to Pennsylvania, and I got a job working at uh, uh, at a pizza or not pizza. I, I, uh, at a potato factory for wise potato chips, the one with the owl. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I got a job working there, um, and working in the factory, and so I was on third shift and everything. But I before that, I I didn't I didn't mention it, but I was I always did like heavy work in factories and stuff because I, I worked at a car dealership for a Nissan dealership when I was down in North Carolina. But they were kind of shady, and so we didn't stay there. Actually, my my cousin worked there too, and 
he didn't like what they had to do. So we left that. We mm -hmm. went to work at a furniture factory. And then um, that's where a, a really big one that supplies like the army and supplies like all different stores that have, you know, sofas and everything. Right, like right, right. So anyway, so I've always had physical, you know, physical jobs like that. Um, but anyway, so then I work, was working here. I was working third shift and I got to a job where basically what I would do is I, I, I would pull the orders and I had a, a, a guy that was in the truck and I would pull them off and I would throw them on all these different belts and then he'd load them up in the truck and then we go to the next truck and that's what we basically did all night. Um, so, but I just started getting to where when I was throwing the boxes up and everything, I just got to where I kept getting this pain in my side and it was like, like, I mean, it felt like somebody was stabbing me in the kidneys and stuff. And then it wow. just got so bad that I, I couldn't take it after a while. And so, you know, I, I just finally, one day I, I just said, you know, I got to go get this checked out because I just can't take it anymore. So um, we went to the um, uh, doctor and everything and they're doing, first they do this, this x-ray and that x-ray and, you know, scans and MRIs and stuff. So they're looking to see if it's a kidney problem, if it's this, if it's that. Right. Um, but basically what it came down to is they, they did a did an upper scope and when they did that in the scope, they um when they went through, they basically when they got down to where the esophagus meets the stomach, they had to basically push part of the mass that was there out of the out of the way to get through. And then they basically brought the camera back up to look at it. So there was this really big mass that was there. Now I wasn't having any issue eating or anything like that because even though, um, you know, I had kind of got not stayed with the getting really big, you know, lifting and everything, but I was still, right. I was still in shape, but I also had, you know, put on that, that, uh, I don't know what you call it, but that, that, the little bit of fat that you put on. Yeah. You weren't, you weren't so toned anymore. Yeah. 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 But I mean, it's all still there, but it just wasn't chilly. It wasn't defined. Right. 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 I put right. on a couple of pounds. But, um, so anyway, so, but I, I had no problem eating so and you know i i could put it away with the best of them if you know what i mean so so anyway so it was strange because they were saying well this is you know probably what's going on i was like okay <laughs> so they they sent me for a bunch of different ones they ended up doing you know the colonoscopies and all that and they found out that i had a bunch of polyps there too mm -hmm. um so basically what they said is that um that by the way that it looks and everything is we, we got to go in, we got to, we don't want to take the whole thing just yet. What we want to do is take part of your esophagus, part of your stomach and then reattach it. Basically kind of do like a stomach bypass, but just a little bit more involved. So um, I was like, you know, then they told me at the time and I found out later this was a lie, but I found out too late to really do anything about it. But they had told me that they hadn't been able to do a biopsy because it was also the way it was, it was bleeding and it looked pretty, you know, they didn't really want to touch, do anything at it because they knew that it had to come out anyway. So I was told that they could not do rule out cancer at that point because um, they couldn't do a biopsy. Well, years later, I found out in the notes and everything that they had done it, but they didn't, they didn't tell me that. Oh, but anyway, wow. And um, so, but yeah, and, and there was a statute of limitations on things. So by the time I, I got that bit of information, it was too late. Wow. So I think it's kind of crazy. But anyway, so I trusted the doctor. He was 
I guess I put too much faith in him because he he came from New York and relocated in Pennsylvania. And I thought we had kind of made a connection and I thought he was a good guy and everything. But anyway, so they scheduled me to do the surgery. And uh, I don't remember if it was Friday the 13th, but I remember it was a lot of things to do with 13. So if I would have been a um, oh, really superstitious person, I wouldn't went through with the surgery. Right. Because um, I remember, I'm pretty sure it was Friday the 13th, but I know that I was in, when they put me in the pre-room uh, for before surgery, and they're telling me about how major surgery is and how involved it is. So it's like, I'm already set. I, you know, I have my family came there. So I'm, I'm always, I always like to joke and try to make things fun. So I'm joking around a little bit with them. They're getting ready to take me. And I'm in room 13 that I'm in. They take me to elevator 13. And the floor that I would, that they do the surgery on, it's not necessarily called the 13th floor because I guess they, they don't, yeah, they floor. don't number them. Yeah. the 13th floor if you do. Right, that. right, you right. Don't, you don't, you can't just jump a floor. Right, 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 right. <laughs> And then uh, also, I think, the, if I'm not mistaken, I think the room that they did it in was, was the surgery room 13. Oh, it's weird that they don't name a floor 13, but they have room 13. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> strange. That but anyway, weird. I guess because, like, it'll be like, I think it might have been, like, 213, like, different things. But it was always the 13 now. So anyway, so I, I go in for the surgery, and uh, when I wake up, right away, I know something's not right because I'm thinking – they just cut me from, you know, right here below the sternum, all the way down around my belly button and down it's basically into my groin a little bit to do what they had to do there. And I'm thinking, why is that not the part that hurts the most? Why is it my throat? And I was on uh, the ventilator and stuff when they did because they, the surgery was a long time. So when the first thing I said when, when I was conscious enough to my wife and I could, my voice, when I went to talk was horrible and I had no, uh, there was no power to it, nothing. So, but I basically asked, you know, how come this is what's hurting me? And so we, the doctor, when I was awake and everything, they finally came in, they told me it was probably from being on a ventilator and this and that, and that, it, you know, it's rough what they do. And I also still had the NG tube down my throat that goes in through your nose and then down right, right, right. And that, that might be affected, which I guess made sense. So, uh, but I was having major problems with it. And, I, and, and I'm looking at this, which, which hurt obviously, because I had drains going out and I had everything. And I'm thinking to myself that this is, you know, kind of crazy. But uh, so I was like, all right, whatever. So during that time, um, I found out that um, I don't do so good with morphine because I guess I have a reaction to it and it makes me like super, super paranoid and stuff. So I could go into that trip a little bit, but let's just say that I had dreams about Nazis and being experimented on and stuff. Oh, Jesus. So, oh, anyway, so I was a little paranoid about the doctors and stuff at first until that, until right. they, I was able to realize that's what was doing it and they switched. Wow. Me yeah. So, but anyway, so I had that going on, but, uh, so they basically progressed me where they, um, they, wanted to put me on regular foods and stuff. And it progressed me pretty quickly. And, but the problem was when I would eat, I couldn't swallow right. And I would throw it back up. And then not only that, but I was like throwing up these saliva bubbles and stuff. So we had told them that I was having trouble. And then they took the NG tube, but they went to pull the NG tube out. And when they did that, it was kind of stuck a bit. Like they had to really pull at it to get it out, which is not the way it's normally supposed to go. But anyway, so they do that and they get it out. 
And then, so they progressed me and sent me home. And I still not, I'm still not eating properly. I'm still throwing up. I'm still having problems. I'm like, why? And they sent, I said, I'm telling them that I'm having these problems. And they're like, well, you know, with everything that went on, that area is going to have problems. And they're like, it's going to be a little while before you're back to normal. So I'm like, okay. So anyway, so I go home and I'm just problems just keep progressing. And so we kept calling the surgeon and telling him that he's got to take a look. He's got to take a look. And he just kept not wanting to do it. Right. So finally, um, my ex still, one of the good things that she did, um, she said, look, we're going to go there. And I'm going to tell them that we're not leaving until they look. So we go there and we tell them what's going on. And he's still saying everything I did is perfect. There's, there's no reason to look at it. He said, but from what you're saying and stuff, he says, I think maybe you could, you need to, for the ENT to look at it because it, you know, let him look at your throat, let him look at, at your nose and see what's going on because, you know, maybe there's something with that. Right. So anyway, so I go to see him and he does the, the thing and they have a couple different ways they can look down your throat. They have what's called a rigid scope, which is just you know, kind of like that long and they put it in your mouth and they can see your vocal cords. They have one that goes up and down the back of your nose. So he did a rigid one first because it's a little less invasive. And as soon as he did it, it's like, oh, that doesn't, that doesn't look right. So then they got the other one and they went down the nose and he's looking, he's like, no, that's not good. So he goes out the room and he calls the surgeon and everything and tells him what's going on. And he thought that what happened was that one of them was dislocated and that the other one, actually, I think he thought that one was dislocated too. I think he thought that both of them dislocated off my vocal cords. So he says, well, I'm going to have to do a procedure where I basically try to put them back in place. And they're like very small and, you know, they're very fragile. So, but that's what he thought was wrong. So he does the surgery, the, the basically procedure the surgery thing. And after that, if to me, it felt way worse. Oh, Jesus. So, and they're like, give it a couple of days for everything to, you know, to take effect. So basically it got to a point where I'm like, this is ridiculous. It's, I'm still throwing up these bubbles. I'm not getting, you know, I'm, I'm, I was down to before this thing, when I was up to about between muscle and everything else, I was probably at like 175, 180 somewhere. I don't remember exactly what it was, but, but at this point I'm down to like 115 pounds. If that, Holy so I lost, and this is in like within, you know, a month and a half time frame. So it's just wow. like, man, which is, you know, isn't great for anybody. No. So, um, so finally they, they said, well, the, the one that did this, the, the vocal thing said, well, if anybody can fix the vocal problem you got going on here, because he, after he did, he looked again and it still wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. He says, there's this surgery, this really renowned world renowned surgeon that's down in Philadelphia. And he said that if he's, if he can't fix you, nobody can. So he said, he'll find out what's going on. So I go down to see him and he does uh, some video stroboscopies where they basically put the same thing down the throat and then they, they can watch it with the strobe lights. It becomes really slow, and they can watch exactly what. I actually wanted to share these with you. I actually have my home, but I, since oh, I'm that's cool. I wanted to show you one or two so you can see what it's like. It's pretty cool. Um, that's cool. But uh, so you can you can see that you know on that it wasn't doing right. And he's like, okay, he's like, I see the problem. He says, but I need you to rule out a bunch of other things too. So he's like, I need you to go to get an EMG done on your throat where they stick the EMG needle, same ones like they would do for with the numbness here where they would stick it in right, right, right. nerves and stuff. Cause that's horrible because they make you put your neck back and just stab it into that. It was probably, I've had a couple of EMGs done elsewhere or not EMGs, whatever they call it. Um, but when they do, when they do that, 
And that's the worst one I ever had right there. It hurt like a lot, you know, just to gotta get basically really deep to get to the vagus nerve and everything like that. So mm-hmm. they did that. And then I had one of the longest MRI CAT scans that they've ever done at this hospital down there. It was eight hours. Holy Man, crap. It was terrible. And, and this is one of the reasons why I brought up things with my neck, because I was already having problems with my neck before this. And I was having trouble with the limited range of motion, like being able to tip my head back. So they, and they want to put me in this thing for eight hours. No, it's not Can't eight hours straight. Up. They'll pull you out after four. Right, so right. And in, in between, maybe for a couple minutes for a breather or whatever, but you basically had to be there in there like 45 minutes to an hour at a time, definitely. And there was oh. one time I was definitely in there for two right. hours. But anyway, so, but it was eight hours total. And so, but they do all that. So they send me to all these different, when it comes back, he's like, okay. He's like, I, I can do, see, I know what's wrong with this now. And he told me, he says, basically what happened is that one of them was dislocated. Um, the other one was fractured, but one was also partially paralyzed and they also partially paralyzed my vagus nerve. So what, what, what was happening, one of the reasons why I was having all problems with uh, throwing up and everything and stuff not going down was because my peristalsis in my throat, instead of pulling the food down, was actually kind of so, somewhat working in reverse. Mm. So it was pushing everything back up. Oh, so, so so they, they figured out, you know, what's going on with that. He says, but he says, he says, I'm not so sure that that this is what's connected to the other. He said, because... He says, I'm pretty sure you got something else going on because he says this would cause certain things. He says, but at the same time, he says, because um, the one thing that they didn't do was they didn't do uh, another endoscope. So so he's like, I need to set you up with somebody here to figure that out, or you could do it back at home if you want to. So but so we got set up, and, and when they did it, they found out that, on on the bottom where the doctor had stitched me back up, there was a stitch there that was kind of hidden from when you would look at it from the outside. Mm-hmm. But when you would go down in and look at it with the scope, you could see it a lot better. And so it was a stitch that was there was holding it too narrow. Uh, so it was holding it, you know, so it was a stricture. Mm-hmm. So they thought, now uh, at this point, there was several months that had, went, had gone by. Um, now, at the moment, forgive me, but I don't remember exactly if I had the um, the vocal surgery done first or if I had this other thing done first. I'm mm-hmm. not sure on that one at the moment, but it doesn't really matter. Um, right, right, right. But, but so what they decided they were going to do about that one was they were going to go in, take the stitch out, obviously, and then do a dilatation where they would basically put a balloon in there and they would uh, blow it up like that to stretch it out and then hopefully it would stay. So they did that on the when they took the stitch out and they did that and um so then this, this i definitely remember was that didn't that one didn't last very long so then my ent did another dilatation on thanksgiving day for the day before thanksgiving the day before thanksgiving because he says well i'll do this and maybe you'll be able to eat tomorrow and you'll have, have your meal in. so i did it the day before like i think he only did me that day i don't think he was doing anything else but anyway so i did the dilatation and that one, at first, seemed like it did okay because I, I, mm-hmm. I, did, I didn't do great, but I did way better than I was doing for a little bit. Right. Anyway, so so they, they do that couple of things, um, that, that, that dilatation, and it lasts maybe two weeks. 
and then it, it goes back to normal the, the way it was not normal but right shrinks down then the next one was on christmas day or yeah christmas day because he he, he didn't he, he opened this thing up for me to, to do at that time and he did it again and then that lasted like a couple weeks again so then they said well we got to revise the whole surgery but in between this time yeah now i actually did that is the way it progressed now i think about it. um so i went down to philly the surgeon down there did a procedure where um he basically took a bunch of of the, whatever fat that i had left because i didn't have much at this time and he took it from you know my belly and whatever and he put it in my throat um in the folds so that way the ones that were uh fractured and the, you know, but I'm, basically they both have problems but it would basically act as a cast because you can't put a cast on this right right so right it would basically act as a cast and the good thing about it was Holds everything the body would reabsorb it after so long right so it just isolates it you can't talk so i couldn't talk for a while but anyway so, moly. so during this time um we're getting ready for the for the surgery and um so we go down to, to philly and uh for the surgery the day of it and i was i was having bunches of bunches of problems but they they wanted me to drink this one fluid that like it's supposed to like numb everything and whatever and stuff I like if I if I drink that I'm gonna throw it up now. I said it's not gonna help anything. I said plus there's been a little bit of bleeding and everything, so they're like, well you you, you need to drink. So I did it and exactly what happened did. So then but then later that they came down and my actual doctor said, so said I told him not to give you that. So he was a little frustrated. But anyway, so they they revised the whole surgery. Um. So then basically what they did is they took more of the stomach and more of the esophagus and put it together. So now during this surgery, I'm in Philadelphia at Graduate Hospital, which isn't there anymore. Um, but I didn't do so great during the surgery at all. I was in the wintertime. And they, they, they put me uh, into uh, – they have – basically they, they have three different tiers that they do. They have like a normal tier, uh, uh, almost like an ICU that's not necessarily the ICU. And mm-hmm. then they have the one that's ICU. But – so I was originally in the ICU one for a while. Then they put me in the room. But I was only there like four days afterwards. And I was supposed to be there for about uh, three weeks or something, I think it was what the time was supposed to be, two two or three weeks, something like that. Right. Um, but anyway, on the third or fourth day, I ended up having a seizure. And um, I, don't, I, I think I had one when I was a kid that I, I don't remember, I think that. But I don't have, at that point, I didn't have any. My brother has, has epilepsy. But anyway, so I had this seizure, and then they gave me out of van and knocked me out. So next thing I know, I think it's, you know, same day, a few hours later. <laughs> but we're talk- they're talking about sending me home tomorrow. I'm like, send me home tomorrow? It's not supposed to be here for weeks. And like, you, you have been here. I'm like, what are you talking about? They said, yeah. You And, and my wife's like, hey, we've been here the- you don't remember anything? I'm boy, like, boy. no, I don't remember nothing. So, so, and she's like, yeah, you were acting a little strange and everything. But to this day, I mean, I don't remember that whole time frame. I mean, that's it's, crazy. It's, wow. When you hear about like people blacking out and not knowing things, I mean, it's a strange experience because you're like, that's gotta be yeah. that much time. I could see a few hours, I could, but that much time is crazy. So anyway, so um, we went back home, and that surgery maybe lasted two months 
where like I'm still having the problems and it was, you know, they said give it time to heal up and everything. So oh, right. for maybe two, three months, once it kind of got to as good as it was going to get, you know, at first I thought, oh, it's kind of not so bad. I guess I can deal with it. But then it just got to where my stomach decided that it wasn't going to work at all. And oh, man. Over. Because they, they had, they, I had to wait because they can't just do a surgery after surgery. So, <laughs> so during this time, I had another local surgery. Um, I don't remember exactly what he did that time, but I ended up having four. Um, but anyway, so I think it was another fat one where they looked at it and they kind of isolated it again. And that got better because for a while I was talking, like it was just, there was nothing there. I kind of, if I did talk, I sounded like Wolfman Jack. So it was just really deep and different. But um, so basically while I'm waiting for, to get, uh, to get the next surgery, because they're like, we don't, we don't know what to do. But during that time, it got to the point where it actually, it basically died. I, I was, I was throwing up blood all the time and it wasn't empty. Oh, God. So they decided they're going to put me on a, a feeding, uh, feeding tube. Basically, be, well, before the feeding tube, they put me on what they call TPN lip, lipids. And basically I was attached to the, IV for 16 hours a day and I, so I had a port that they had that um, actually went into my heart right here right, right up right here um, and they would draw blood from it and they would hook me up to it for 16 hours a day and get stuff and it'd be fats and stuff and we had all the stuff delivered to the house and that was what I was surviving on um, I could eat a little bit if they wanted me to but I still had all the problems it wasn't right. going to right, right. down so I'm on that and they, they, uh, so, but I ended up getting a really bad where I was getting fevers that were coming and going. I just felt absolutely miserable. So one day I passed out. I went in to go to the bathroom. And next day I, I, I know I'm, I'm waking up in the hospital, but I guess I passed out about impaled myself on a plunger by the, by the toilet. Oh my goodness. And I ended up going to the hospital. So now, Holy moly. so they call in. They call in uh, infectious diseases and all stuff, and they're trying to figure out what's going on. And so I'm there for what running this fever, like 102, 103, back and forth. And they basically never figured it out. So, but anyway, so my surgery was coming up, and they didn't really want to do it, but they didn't have they didn't have a choice because you know they want you healthy when they do it. So here I am, you know, throwing up the sure. all the time, nothing's working. So I go back to Philly, and. Uh, for the surgery and so beforehand they're, they're, they're doing the pre-op testing and stuff they did that thing again where they wanted me to they said you definitely need to drink this stuff this time and blah 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 oh, and the same thing I, threw up. I was throwing up blood all the place it was like what's the point i don't see it but anyway so so they they then uh say okay well wait a minute they said well we gotta take because you can take they, they were taking samples and stuff um when they when they did it at the other hospital, they were take they 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 never took a, a sample from like they should have from the actual uh, Hickman catheter is what's called. Mm -hmm. They never actually took the sample like they're properly supposed to take. So it turned out that the infection was basically in my heart. Basically, I mean, it was, they couldn't figure out how was it there for so long that I, that I didn't die or have something. Holy moly. Because they, Tim, check, so they almost weren't going to do the surgery at all because they're like this thing. We, they said we can't we can't remove it before surgery because if we mess with it, it could end up with 
really bad consequences. So he said, we wow. actually have to do the surgery with it in, but we're going to run a bunch of, you know, antibiotics and stuff through it whenever. So it almost made it where I couldn't do the surgery, but they did that surgery. And basically I didn't do so well. I ended up coding a bunch of times. I was on life support for almost two months. I Holy was, moly. I was there. And then when they put me into a room, they didn't put me into a, a normal room. They put me into a room like they put for like celebrities and stuff. Um, because it was interesting because my they was my room was so big it was like they you could normally they would have another one next to you like a bed for another right 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 up and, but there was like two TVs in there there was there was two beds but there was one for me there was one for a family member to stay so and the difference was instead of um like having to worry about whatever they have in the hospital for food you could basically call them up at any time like room service and they would get you whatever you want. sounds like they were tr- treating you like royalty. Because yeah. I'm not, I wasn't sure why they did that. Right. But, right, uh, right. And I wasn't eating that good anyway, but it, my, at the time, my wife ate pretty good, I guess. So, right. So, but we were, we were there for a long time. And so they, they, that I my first surgeon that had, he was going to take that Hickman out, just like pulled out while I was awake. His partner she was a little bit younger. She's like, we don't need to torture him anymore. So we need, we're just going to put him out and take it out. So they took that out. And then I still had like where I was having the fever for a while, but basically that went away. Um, but when I, uh, when I got done with that, I uh, went back home and for a little bit, it, it after everything kind of, you know, did its job and everything, I started getting where it was okay, but I was still nauseous 24-7. I still was hypermodal where everything would just go right through me. Um, so, like, if I ate a salad, it kind of went through me so quick, it came back out kind of the way it went. As, as a yeah. salad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was just, wow. my absorption was horrible. So, so but anyway, so uh, I did as well as I could, and then I had to have my, my vocal surgery. Um, because I just wanted to get that out of the way and, and give my, my body a chance to really heal up and not put it through trauma for a while. So when I went for that, what they had to do was um, cut me open to be able to put in to put in implants and to medialize everything and bring it together because right, right, right. and everything like that, it was just never going to come together right. So I go for that surgery, <laughs> and during the surgery, I wake, they wake me up and what they, what they normally do with stuff is they always have you to make the vocal cords come, you know, like that. They have you say E or they have you say like, ah, oh, and they like do like different levels, like a, like a low E and a high Right, e. right, right. So anyway, so they wake me up during surgery. Now they didn't tell me they were going to do this. So I wake up and I can see like that light above you with the, with the mirrors and everything. I look up, I can see my throat splayed open basically. Oh, Jesus. And my doctor's there with a, like like a little screwdriver and i mean it's, it's a little screwdriver and it was it's he invented this little screwdriver and he invented a bunch of things for my surgery but um it was called the, the saddle off screwdriver so anyway so but anyway he says okay now say e and of course when you're under you do basically anything they tell you to do i say e and it hurt like heck and as i'm doing it i see the blood skirting up and he's like i could see him turning this thing I'm oh like, God, man, I was so mad. And anyway, so then he does it a couple of times and then I was out. Now you would think that I would probably forget that. I wouldn't remember it. No, when I woke up, I was so mad at him. And now after the surgery, I'm not allowed to talk for like two months. 
So, but the first thing after he comes over, you can tell I'm, I'm pissed off. And it's like, it's like, what's, what's the matter? So, and I had a pen and paper and everything, you know, so I wrote, I said, why didn't you tell me? And he, he didn't even have to ask what didn't I tell you? He's like, he's like, well, would you have come if I told you? <laughs> and it's like, it would have been nice to know. I still would have done it, but it would have been nice to know you'd wake me up in the middle of surgery. Because of all my surgeries, you know, when you're out, you don't, you don't know what's going on. Yeah, so yeah, you wake up and it's you. done. Right, right. This one was during the surgery and, and, I was, and that was painful. That's but, crazy. Uh, That's crazy. But, so after that, I had two months where um, I couldn't talk. And then so it got back to normal. But after that, like nothing ever got back to, to normal or it was supposed to get. Because right. um, during this time, uh, I still was getting the scopes and they were finding more polyps in, in my esophagus and then in my colon. So they put me in a study. It was it's interestingly named the, the funny polyp study. <laughs> so and it's out of the Cleveland Clinic. So they put me into the Cleveland Clinic and then they came back that I have a, a, a genetic deficiency or, or disorder um, that's called HHT, hereditary hemorrhagic cholangiectasis, which basically is the malformations that can be uh, in, in the veins and stuff that can be in different areas of the body. And it causes also these little cholangiectasis. Um, so anyway, so I have them in my lungs. Um, I have, they found out that I have them on my brain. Holy moly. That was, that was why I had that, had that seizure in, in addition right. to my absorption being way out of whack. Um, so then they, they also, they also found out that, uh, I had, I had that when they did that, they checked, they checked my heart better because I was also having dumping symptoms, but then mm -hmm. it started, which is where a lot of people get it after they have bypass surgery and stuff where since your stuff isn't empty, right. When it hits your, like into your stomach or past it into the small intestines, it like kind of freaks out a little bit and it races your heart rate and does a couple of things. So right. they said that would go away. Mine never has, but so I was dealing with dealing with that. But they found out that I have a, a pericardial cyst that they found out when they did that. So, but anyway, so that disease is, is hereditary. Um, so, but because my dad actually had a couple feet of his uh, small intestines removed. Wow. Before I was born. Wow, so, Tim, I, I'm I, I want to interrupt you. I, I don't mean to dishonor this amazing, amazing adventure story. You ha you have had me so engaged for the last hour listening to to how this all went down, and we haven't even really gotten to the point where your stomach was removed completely. Um, I, but I do want to also address. I had some. I had some. Julie was was saying so much, and she she hadn't even heard the whole thing yet. And she said so much. I'm glad you made it through. How how are you now? So I do wanna I do wanna jump ahead in a minute to that, but I do wanna ask you some questions about this. Um, but also, I know Randy, my friend Randy, is out there, and and we didn't even get to talk about this either. Uh, he's saying serious question: um, Did your ex-wife with 25 documented personalities allow you to be married to all of the different personas? Now I know that's a good question because I think we've talked about that. Um, so, so I, I hate to make you switch gears, but I would love to at least, uh, answer this question from the audience, uh, about the, uh, the ex-wife with the 25 personalities. Okay. Um, basically let's put it this way. Uh, she had that many different, but not all of them were female and not all of them were even human. So mm -hmm. she, there was 
a, a dog personality, let's say, which was really interesting dealing with that. Um, and then she had some that were very young babies that couldn't talk. Um, wow. So, I, I mean, I guess I don't know that when it comes to the legalities of that exactly, but I would say that, you know, basically, you know, certain ones of them obviously are, are not able to be if you would go by based on what they are, you know what I mean? Right, so, right, right. So, and I'll put that, I, I used to make the joke that um, she had 25 personalities and 30 of them hated me. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so no, but, uh, you know, there was a, a few that obviously we got, that mainly got along with. And, and I will say that the one thing that was, she was able to hold together while I was going through some of that, um, you know, my, my, uh, my medical stuff. Right. She did hold it together. She couldn't hold it together very long, but there was periods where she did well. And I, I, I there was a, she, there was one personality she had that was really good at that. Right. Um, to get into some things that I know you're probably wondering about is that like they have way different things that they do. Like one could be right-handed and one could be left-handed. And it's not like, it's just like, you know, she writes okay with the one side and it's like, you know, it's just like, you know, like you would mess around with. No, she would write flawlessly with the other one. And then it was wow. like, some of them would wear, wear glasses. Some of them wouldn't need glasses. Some of them, you know, had dia diabetes and some of them didn't. There was times like when she would be having these really bad sugar lows and then need certain medications, but then it would wait correct and wrong if, if she would switch because this other ones didn't need. So there was just like so many different things, like so many different in the mannerisms, so many things. But those are the things that really shocked me when, when like, to have diabetes and not have diabetes are in the same body. That's amazing. I, I mean, you know, I remember when you were telling me that story. Um, I, I mean, I don't really know much about the whole diagnosis, right, and, and what it can mean, but it sounds incredibly like it sounds like a testament to humanity and, and all of the spirituality stuff that we talk to because, you know, it, it sounds like she's going from personality to personality. How how often would that be? I mean, did you have to deal with multiple personalities within a day? Was it like every day different or how, how did how did that work? Well, it, it would change in, in frequency, but it was basically every day I deal with a couple of them. Um, she ended up seeing uh, different therapist that could deal with it or you know or not so well so when she was with one that was because they wanted to do the whole idea of integration and stuff like that and co-conscious i'm not familiar with that is yeah integration is where they basically you you try to take the one that's more dominant and, and primary mm -hmm. which may or may not have been the one that was technically my wife the one that you know i was originally with so to speak mm -hmm. um so, but they wanted to try to basically where those, and then they basically work out a system where they're still there, but they're not, they realize that they're not necessarily needed. So they basically come where they integrate them, but they also level co-consciousness with instead of switching, they're, they're all kind of, because a lot of things like she would, they, when she, when, when she was never even onto that, she would mess with herself. Like she would have ones that would that didn't like other of her alters. So they, like there was one that, the one that was a boy that didn't like the one girl and he would hide her toys. He would do this and stuff. So they would, and they would not know what, like when she came out of it, what the other one did. So, wow. but when, when they started with the co-conscious thing, it worked a little bit on certain ones, 
where she could basically be a couple of them at the same time, but only one was really being the dominant where it was there. The other one was kind of, I guess, like when you're having your, your, the, the devil and, and God on your shoulder. Right, right, right. Shoulder so you have them there basically. So she was able to get to a level of that, but she never, as far as like before our relationship and everything, she never was able to get really integrated or, or there was, they were working on different ones that were better. And cause she had, uh, basically she had one therapist for a little while that was the same, that reached out to the same therapist that treated Sybil, you know, one of the most famous cases. Oh, wow. A, a lot of people, some people afterwards have said that there are certain things about that case that weren't true, but I think it was more so what was documented in the movies, not necessarily her case, so, so to speak. But whether or not it was, the same person that treated her uh, helped to talk to the therapist that my wife was seeing um, before she died because that, uh, that therapist died, the um, one that treated Sybil. But anyway, but she reached out to her because it was so, uh, such an amazing, extraordinary circumstance that she that they didn't really know how to, what to do with it. Because a lot of them yeah. don't know what to do. A lot of them don't, they don't believe in it. They think that it's kind of a show, that it's this or it's that. But I mean, there's there's nothing to gain from it doing it i mean she wasn't getting any more anything for me I, I well you i mean you experienced it firsthand you know and and it sounds to me like you know i mean it affected you you know in, in a big way but it sounds to me like you you didn't think it was a scam i mean you 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 accepted it sounds like and and i and i don't know we haven't talked deeply about this but it sounds like you know when she would change personalities you accepted that that was where she was. That's who she was at that moment. And that's what, what was happening. Um, I mean, it's interesting, you know, as somebody who didn't experience it to hear, you know, there were personalities that were, you know, babies or, or not even human. And I, I mean, I can't imagine what the behavior was like during those moments that you had to kind of deal with, whether it like, would it suddenly happen in public or, was this a very private thing? I mean, again, there's so many questions, Tim. It's like, yeah, yeah. There, there were certain ones that would only come up because certain ones of them, they're created. See, from what I understand, um, they're created with a purpose. Each one, basically, most of the time, to either protect you from whatever you were going through, or to take that abuse. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. depending on what they were created for, um, would kind of dictate whether or not they would even want to come out in public or whether or not they would want to come out in a certain situation. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the ones that were more vulnerable, they would only come out more so at home or in a situation where they were comfortable with, like if we were at a friend's house. With you. Right, right. Yeah. right, right, right. So a lot of times, you know, there's a lot of people that knew that my wife was different and odd, but they didn't know that she had these things because they just, it's just something that, because she, she has a couple that were similar, they were they were they were different. Where I could tell the different, but if you if you weren't dealing with her every day, it was you know, more like a mood. You would think it was a mood or something. Yeah. But there was times when it would carry over. Like there was like when she was one that uh, one of her personalities loved the Care Bears and stuff, and um, she would have like these Care Bear slippers and pajamas and stuff. So and I would have to color with her in the coloring book and watch the Care Bears with her and stuff. But then we go to the store and like. She like there was times when I go to Walmart where she was kind of still in that personality, and then she kind of like. Luckily, she she was she's always that you know, she what she wouldn't wake up from that and be upset that you know. But most of the time, 
um, when we went out somewhere, she was one of like, a, I would say like a core three or four personalities most of the time. Right. But there was, but I, I almost think that, and she agreed with me a little bit because she even said that, um, that the one that I've pretty much dealt with in the beginning kind of disappeared for a long time. Oh, no. And it was certain ones that like they just took over and they were going to deal with her life where it was and they were going to do this or do that. And she was kind of put, she always said that basically there was like inside her mind, it was kind of like a, uh, like a big house and in the woods and mm. a tree and everything. And it was all these different rooms and each of them had their own spot that was there. And basically she was in her one. You know what I mean? And mm. so there was ones that even when they would come out, like uh, they didn't know what year it was and stuff. So it was like some of them didn't come out for a long time. And they wow. would get really confused about when it was because apparently not all of them were in on the information that, you know, that would happen because it just depended on what was necessary. So a lot of them, you know, because they were created at times to deal with that abuse and take that abuse. It, there was nothing there to deal with anymore and no reason for them to be there, but they don't know that and they don't want to like not exist anymore. Right. You know? Right. Right. So, did you ever have to, um, sorry, did you ever have to, um, like talk about that? Like, in other words, would she, if she would go into one personality and then come back, would she know that she was gone or she would just think always. that it was the next moment? Yeah. Not, not always. It would depend on, who she was uh, when she was out, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, because some of them would were able to control her in a way, like like mm -hmm. and, and dictate what they were gonna do, but they didn't they didn't let her know about it. So so it depends on which ones like a lot of times she wouldn't though. A lot of them that uh, would when that would happen, a lot of times it was like she just wouldn't realize or it was like times where we would go um, I'd go out and do the day and then she would go sleep and then wake up and sit and then think that it was time to go do everything that we already did. You know what I mean? Cause like she would, it was a lot of times when she wrote and it was very frustrating for a lot of things. Like we would decide like the, the day before, like we're going to stop here and eat, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And then the next day she was always changing, changing plans all the time. And I'm like, why we, we, we discussed this, you know? So it was just, it was just really tough. So what, was there a time period when, I mean, when you first started dating that it, this was not evident at all? I mean, it, to me, it wasn't evident and then it come out. See, we got married in, we got together in, in 80, 89 and we got married in 92 and then she got diagnosed in 96. But in that time, I, you know, I, thought that she had issues. I knew that she was abused in her past. I knew that she had problems. Yeah. So I thought she was just, for lack of a better term, like a, a normal level of, of crazy, if you will. Right, you right, right. No, I understand what you're saying. She was, she was um, wounded, you, kind of like yeah. a lot of people are. It's unfortunate that a lot of people have been in abusive situations. You know, it's, it's, it's not uncommon. Um, and, and I think that a lot of us... Um, recognize you know that in other people and can be sympathetic when we feel like okay this is a, a a symptom of abuse or you know this is a result of abuse you know when someone's behaving a certain way um i mean but this sounds like it started to get really obviously extreme 
um, you know, you tell me that uh, there were some personalities that were uh, not human, like a, a, maybe a dog or something. And I mean, I'm just imagining a woman, you know, making dog sounds and kind of acting very, very peculiar. And I can't imagine what that must feel like being in a relationship with I, that person. I was strange, especially the first time I experienced it, because I, at first I kind of thought she was joking because she came to me on her hands and knees with a, with a bowl in her mouth and just going like this with the bowl. And I'm like, what? And then I realized she wanted water. <laughs> so I got water and she's flipping it out on, a oh my bowl God. on the floor. And so it was very interesting. I mean, luckily that didn't happen super often but there was times where it, that's what it was and it was like wow full bone i mean it wasn't just like a partial like a, that's why i, I kind of think you know it, it would have been an act she would have been like the best actress in the damn world because and for no gain you know what i mean and right just to mess with me i guess but it wouldn't have been worth it <laughs> but uh right but you know and it was like there was times when you know i was like i I would get a little frustrated with it. And there was times when it was like, you know, I just felt so bad for you and everything. So it was like, I don't know, dealing with it was rough because I, I just didn't know every day what to deal with. And I'm dealing with all my own issues, obviously. So mm -hmm. it, it was strange. And, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, it was, it, when it, cause there was uh, ones who didn't like me at all. And they like, you know, that's um, crazy. That was rough when, when you go through a thing where you, you're having a, a day that's going okay. And all of a sudden there was like this stupidness going on that was like crazy. And then of course they, you know, they had things where they would uh, act out and stuff. And I didn't always, you know, I like some of them I could deal with and I knew what, how to talk to them and I knew what to tell right. them. Right. Relax. But there's ones that their whole idea is that they're there and, you know, to protect and I'm a, I'm a guy. She, she don't need me around because you know wow. that kind of stuff. And especially wow. when when it's a male uh, personality. Uh, personality, yeah. it's like that's they, crazy. You know. Ninja, Ninja Kitty was uh, said this earlier. I just want to give her some some props. She says, "Does anyone remember the story of Sybil?" Uh, and a movie story based on a true story. And I think that's what that's what's so great about this story is like it's not a movie or entertainment. You're actually hearing this from somebody who has experienced it. And that's why I'm so fascinated. When Tim first told me the story, I was just like amazed at this. Um, it's 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 pretty crazy. Um, and and I know Randy's out there. He says I get it. My medical history could make him blush. Uh, Randy's been through cancer a couple of times, some major sur surgeries. Uh, you know, definitely. You know, people who I admire who have been through such uh, kind of it seems like physical torture um, and situate like you seem so healthy. Uh, like you seem like a healthy person to me ever since I've known you when I met you when you came up uh, to help Jesse with his car, you know, um, you know, I never would have known that you had been through this. So so not to jump back and forth, but um, where are you now? So they had to eventually remove your whole stomach, right? Yeah. So um, once it finally basically just died, it took it took everything out. And so once they did that, it led to quite a few other problems that I hadn't had before where I basically developed a, a seizure disorder that was worse because of going through all that time with, um, you know, first of all, I have the signs of tasers and stuff on my brain. They found out that I have frontal lobe atrophy. Um, I ended up um, having a stroke, my first one in 2005. Oh, Jesus. So that was kind of crazy because I was with family and we were there and we were playing a board game 
and all of a sudden I, I just could not uh, could not like I could uh-huh. look at my wife I could look at my mom I knew who they were but I, I couldn't really process it at all right and right, right. all I could do was just like I started tearing like not fully crying but tearing and a little bit of twitching on the left side and everything mm-hmm. and my mom was the one who noticed she's like are you okay and I was like I, I couldn't do anything but cry so um so then we you know it took me to the to the hospital and everything and by the time that it was it ended up being like lasted like 45 minutes it was pretty long but then eventually like it just subsided and it, so they were trying to figure out exactly what caused it and they were trying to see if I had TIAs or whatever I had so they didn't exactly figure it out but I ended up having some damage from that that I had to work out because I started getting twitches on it, the left side all the time. I had a little bit of droopiness on this that side. Right. Um, but so then I ended up having where I would where I would have seizures. Um I developed uh well I think I always always had it to a degree, but I never had really got it checked into. But I have central sleep apnea, which mm. is not where it's from an obstruction. It's from when your your brain actually doesn't tell you to breathe at all. So it's it's actually mm. the worst one. Oh, I'm I really can't get, I can't really get treatment for that because the treatment that they do is they put you on a CPAP machine and when they put you on that machine, it, it forces air down, down your throat. Like right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't, I can't do that. Cause it's like I, sleep, sleeping with like scuba gear on. It's horrible. Yeah. And the problem is I have bile reflux now because I don't have a stomach. I don't have either of the barrier, barriers you normally have. So when I throw up and I have re- the stuff, it's bile reflux. It's, it's even right. worse than normal stuff. So at night, I, I don't sleep flat. I used to, for a long time, I had to sleep in a recliner and basically sleep almost, you know, really elevated. Right. Um, because I, I asked. Still to this day? That's how you sleep still to this day? Uh, yeah, I sleep. I don't, I don't sleep as elevated, but I, I just have to sleep elevated because if not, right. I run the risk of aspirating, which is where it, like everything gets into my lungs. And then the next day I'm running a fever, I'm coughing and everything. It's, it's horrible. Oh, so I, I had that. Um, I got degenerative disc disease in my back. I de- developed osteoporosis worse than an 80-year-old man. So I got Holy moly. my bones are horrible. Um, I ended up where I have I have the three discs in my neck that are messed up. I got one in my back that's messed up. And I got uh, – so I got arthritis in there. But this is the thing. They don't want to do anything from the time they took it. They also found out that I have this weird curvature in my neck. So when they did the stuff, they looked at the, the surgeon, looked at the, you know, what I had going on there. And he's looking at my neck and he's looking at the back. He's like, don't let me touch you. He says, because as soon as I start doing these surgeries, he says, it's going to be a domino effect. Yeah. And you're going to be totally fused from top to bottom. He's like, especially with the osteoporosis, he says, it's not even, you know, not knows even- how that's going to go. So, um, so they can't do anything about that. So basically, I, I'm, I'm, I've been on a, a period where they said that, you know, I'm, I just got to deal with it as long as I can. Now, it's been quite a long time. It's been almost 15 years since their initial uh, time that they told me. But, right. I mean, I'm getting to the point where I pretty much got to do that anyway because I, I just, I can't, my, I don't have any range of motion in my neck to look up. Side to side, it's okay, but it's bone on bone. And even when I went to pick up the physical therapy because for, you know, in, uh, for your insurance and everything, that's like the next step you got to do back when it originally went. They took a look at that x-ray too. And they're like, I'm not touching you. He's like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to run the risk of this. He's like, here's some, here's some exercises. Don't do them. He says, because they won't be good for you. But then, so then, so I have that. And then um, I've also developed a bunch of times where I got 
uh, something that more and more people don't get that much anymore because I was taking vitamin supplements. I was taking vitamin C and everything. And I ended up getting scurvy a couple of times. Holy yeah. moly. You know, that that's, what I, let me ask you a couple of, let me ask you a couple of specific questions. Cause I, I, I think we're going to have to kind of, I want to guide this a little bit. Uh, okay. We've been going for an hour and a half now. Um, so, so, Living with no stomach, right? I mean, as far as like a lay person understands, your stomach is where uh, when you eat food, it goes, it gets digested, it gets processed, and then distributed throughout your body. So the first question is, how does, how does that process happen um, when you don't have a stomach? How do, you, how do you eat? Are you only eating foods that are already kind of semi-processed or? Well, let's put it this way. My, my case is strange in this too. Um, they basically... I was having problems for the longest time with consistency and not in the way you would think. And I was also having problems with temperature. Um, I still do to a degree, but it's just strange because normally what they tell you to do and everyone for, to learn how to really, to get uh, eating therapy, I guess you call it and stuff to like learn different things. And they give you different strategies and stuff. None of them work for me, but um, what they normally do is like normally when you have a problem with consistency, it's usually if something's too thick. I have a problem the opposite way. Like I, I would choke on water, you know, it's like, because it was too Oh, thick. wow. Interesting. Yeah. Right. So, so I, and then also, you know, they would tell you for a while, I, the dumbest thing that was I survived on potato chips because for some reason I could eat potato chips and a lot of times, not all the time. I mean, a lot of time I still throwing up, but they would go down and they would stay down long and I could eat them without them getting stuck up here because I was having two problems. I was having to either get stuck up here or having problems when it would get down a little lower. Okay. Um, so, so, I, so I lived on that for a while, but what I do now, basically it, it's still, it's cause I, I had to learn to live with, like I was nauseous 24 seven all day, every day. And I was on uh, basically what they give you for having cancer, which is, um, uh, I can't think of Zofran. Um, mm -hmm. so I was on Zofran, I was getting that and it still wasn't even helping. Wow. So, I had to over time learn to live at that level that because I, I like right now I'm nauseous and I, but like a, normally it would be a problem, but I, I had to learn to live with it. So it's like, I don't, I don't notice it unless I think about it, like, really mm -hmm. think about it. but I still, but what I do now is cause I have problems, still have problems. Like if, like, like if it's basically like a, I'd say like a 60, 40 chance that when I eat that I'm going to have a problem with where either it's going to get stuck here for a while and I just got to deal with it or I'm going to end up throwing it up. And then basically I eat because I was on the, after my last surgery, I was on the feeding tube, a different one that went into mm -hmm. my, right into my uh, small intestine. And mm -hmm. I absolutely hated it. Mm -hmm. I hated it so bad because it just, I don't know, it's just a weird feeling and it, it's worse than eating. And I was even more nauseous than if I just ate the normal way. Oh, wow. Up a lot more. So I made a deal with my, my doctor at that point that it, as long as I stayed above a certain weight, I wasn't going to go on to that. Right. Again. But what right. I eat now, I eat, I eat uh, very small meals. I eat a lot of times during the day. I haven't found anything that's consistent. Like every time I eat it, it goes great. But I I had a problem with soda for the longest time and carbonated stuff. But that's kind of gone away where I, I can do okay with it one time and not okay another time. Right. Same thing with like just about everything. There's no consistency to it. So I just eat a lot all day, every day. I try. To and can you, you, you can still enjoy food, like the taste of it, right? And yeah. like chewing yeah. it and swallowing like i mean i guess swallowing it kind of hurts but but experiencing yeah. the food as far as like having different yeah. tastes and things like that yeah for a while they're like cool. i got into like for a while um uh, back before uh 
my marriage kind of went to crap for a little while. I got to where I was uh, basically getting into cooking and, and stuff because if I'm going to eat two, three bites, I'm going to make sure they're going to be the best two, three bites <laughs> that I'm going to eat. You know what I mean? because, right, right, like, right. There's no sense in eating crappy food. And you know crappy. how it goes. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right. So, but so basically, it's it's just a battle. Every every single day is a battle because I I just have I mean, there's so many so much other stuff that we haven't even touched on that I have to do because I just gotta got it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's it, your story is is so phenomenal, and again, so it's it's. I, I didn't even think that it was gonna go. You know, we didn't even really get halfway through. I don't think. Um, so let me let me again let me just kind of guide this uh, questions that I think maybe people are uh, curious about. Um, is first of all, um, how long did the marriage last with with this this ex who had twenty five personalities? Well, believe it or not, it lasted almost twenty five years. Holy moly! Yeah, and okay. the, and the thing was when 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 it went kaput, we I was actually it was a bad time for it to go kaput because it was in it was in February. So this is strange because we're in February now, but it was on February eleventh. I remember all these things that she she. Uh, that she left, but um, it was a bad time because I had just had, because I still have that uh, juvenile polyp and everything. So I grow polyps everywhere. I, I would grow them. I had nasal surgery. I had everything. But anyway, I had some that they had to take out in my throat and in my colon and stuff. And the ones in my throat they thought were definitely cancerous. So we were waiting for the results from that. We were planning, believe it or not, we were planning a uh, a party for our twenty fifth, obviously, and. I forget there was a couple other things at the time that so when when she when she left I was kind of just don't for the body I I mean I couldn't say that I couldn't expect it at all but mm -hmm. I I didn't I wasn't ready for it but so it lasted twenty five years. Wow, that that's that's pretty nuts. Um, and so I mean I, I didn't know you. I I heard heard all of that after after the fact. Um, you know, like you said, when I met you, uh, you actually came up. Jesse was staying here. With me, he was having problems with his car, and you came up to help him fix his car, uh, and and that was really noble um, and awesome. Um, and I don't remember where you might have been at that point in your relationship uh, with Sonia, uh, but uh, at that point it was just starting because it was kind of funny. We ended up having these problems with translators once in a while because obviously she speaks Portuguese and I speak uh, English. Well, I hope I speak English. <laughs> yeah, no, you 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 speak well. Um, so, but let me actually before you go, let me let me before you go on, let me just get viewers updated that may may not have seen you on the show before. Um, and you you did talk about it earlier that uh, Sonia had sent sent you a message on Facebook to just say hello. Uh, I guess there was a mutual friend or somebody involved, uh, yeah. and and. It, 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 that was it, right? I mean, it just took off yeah, from that it, message. It is, it's my uh, my sister in law actually is mm -hmm. from Brazil. My brother married a Brazilian. Um, actually, it was kind of interesting because his marriage went to crap at the same time, like a little bit after mine. But anyway, he had met a, a Brazilian girl, mm -hmm. and but she was here in the states, so okay. they were were dating. And uh, what happened was that uh, I went there. Uh, on actually it was on the 14th that I was over staying at my brother's because it was a, it was on the weekend that year, so I was staying the night playing uh, with my nephews and stuff. And for some reason, my my sister-in-law, her name is Adriana, she was looking at me strange, and she was just looking at me and 
I was like, okay, she's looking at me. Anyway, so I didn't expect anything of it. So I went home on the 16th and I was there playing kind of late. I was there till like 11, 12 o'clock at night. I think it was mm-hmm. exact. I don't remember exact time, but I'm pretty sure it was like I was, I left there like 1130 because when I got back home, uh, I got a message and it was a friend request and it was some, some from Sonia McGallagher's. And I'm like, I already kind of knew who she was slightly, uh, only because I'd seen her picture. Mm-hmm. And what it was, I actually had, because uh, my sister-in-law had, uh, was going through fighting breast cancer. Mm-hmm. So in order to show support for her, I, I shaved my head, um, which I always had long hair. I had real long hair, you know, and everything. But, and I still had it at the time. And so, but I had, I had shaved it. And I had seen when she put up, uh, my sister-in-law had put up a video and stuff and whatnot. And Sonia had commented on it and had said that, you know, that was, uh, you know, beautiful video, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, and I had seen her pitch there and I was at my one, my, my best friend I've had for 40 years from Long Island. I was at his house and his brother-in-law was there and I just, I'd seen her picture. And for some reason I just told him, I said, I said, I said, I had this feeling and it was just strange because I've never had this about anybody or anything. When I looked at her picture. I said, we're going to be together at some point. I said, I don't know why. I said, I get this feeling. And this was, that's awesome. Back in, this was in June. So this was a few months before. But anyway, um, so she had sent me, and I looked at it, but it was like 12 o'clock at night. And I saw the friend, so I'm like, ah, because I've gotten a couple other people through my, uh, that had contacted me just to be friends, you know? Right. So right. I, I didn't really think nothing of it. So I get a, I get the friend request, and then I'm like, so I'm like, and I put it down. I'm getting ready to go to bed. I'm getting into my, because like I said, I sleep in a recliner, so I'm getting ready to sleep in a recliner. <laughs> and boom, like that, it was like, hi, and it was Oi, my name's Sunita. And I was like, Oh, okay. And then she's like, I'm a friend of Adriana's. I said, I said yeah, I've seen your, your picture. And then it just it just flew from there. But it was interesting because she had really wanted to talk to me, I guess, because uh, uh, she's, a, she's a nurse at the hospital. And at that point, they were still doing their, their time frame ahead here. Mm-hmm. So it was actually three hours ahead at the time. Like right now, I'm two hours ahead of you guys. But right. um, it was three hours ahead at that point. So here she is talking to me. And it's like, three in the morning and since she's got to go to work and I wanted to, to go to, you know, at the surgery or at that point she was working in the ICU. So, so she had really, so she stayed on long enough. We talked for maybe I don't know, 20 minutes. Or so. She says, well, I really got to go to bed, but I hope you want to talk to me tomorrow. So I was like, yeah. So, so then we just, and just from there, it just progressed really quickly. Um, because yep. she had went through, she was married before too. Right. We're married and ended badly. And um, so, and she also has a little bit of, I don't know all of it to the extent, but she almost died too because when she had contracted when they were going through, not with the um, coronavirus now, but before that, there was another time with the one flu that went through. And oh yeah, there was a, a pandemic. Well. So, so she she was really bad off on that and she almost died. She was on ICU for uh, I think it was like two, three weeks because then she had allergic reaction to certain medications, so she almost died. So, um, but, uh, but so we were talking uh, uh, you know, that first day and it progressed really quick and then she says to me the one day she says do you do you do you think that anybody can fall in love over the internet do you think that's even possible and this was early, pretty early on uh, i said well i think it's possible i think i said i think anything is possible mm-hmm. um i said because it's all about as long as you're being honest i said you just got if you're not honest then it's not going to matter right i said but yeah she said and she says well i don't think it's it's possible she says in my, in my experience and she says i don't think it is because you know she had done a little bit of dating on the internet and I did some too. I dealt with this girl in uh, uh, Australia and I had fallen apart, but anyway, um, so, but, 
I said, yeah. And then she says, well, she says, well, you know, she had asked me what I, what I do. And I said, well, I'm, I'm, I like to write. I said, I do poems and uh, I do, I'm an artist. I do some painting. I do this and that. And she says, well, I would love for you to write me a poem. So I was like, all right. So then a couple of days later, I wrote her a, a, a poem. And then, she, and then it was funny because she says, uh, she says, I, she says, I think you might have made me fall in love with that poem. She says, <laughs> she says, but I don't know if you can, you can definitely do it. I said, well, I said, give me, give me two hours. I said, I'll help you fall in love with me. It's just mm. you know, being my confident cocky self. That's she, awesome. She's like, she's like, I don't think you can do it. I, she, I, and then after two hours, she says. I think you did it. Is what she says. She says, "I think you did." Oh, that's awesome! So, I don't, I don't know if that's one of the ones that you sent for me, but uh, that's well, I, awesome. I was, I was gonna send that exact one, but I have it in Portuguese, and uh, I actually, I actually was gonna do something really awesome. I put together this thing with a bunch of poems, and I have a song that I had wrote for her with a friend that I meet, met down here. Uh -huh. I was gonna have the poems with that, and a couple other things all go together. But yesterday was a, a show from heck <laughs> because I had the video all edited out. And we, we actually had these storms. I was worried that it was going to affect today, but luckily. Oh, wow. But the power went out. So the power kept going and went out in the middle of it. And I lost everything. And I saw it, but I had no time to do it because I was working oh, on this for, for quite a while. But yesterday, I was also going through the trouble of trying to order her flowers. And that was just kind of a pain to do. And yeah. I was doing all sorts of stuff and then dealing with Taryn. So I had like a really cool thing to do. And I had that exact one. I had it. I was going to have it in Portuguese. And English, so that you could put it up and everything. But that's you know that's yeah, that. that's one of the amazing things about this story for people who, uh, you know, I I mean again we're friends, so I know I saw this amazing like romance happen with this incredible language barrier. You learn Portuguese, uh, and and I always see you translating everything back and forth. You you made a video of one of Jesse's songs. I don't have it. I have something else to share, but I'm just going to pop this up on the screen right now, which is just a couple of pictures of you guys uh, during that time uh, growing your romance um, and, and just falling in love with each other. You would you would visit her and spend some time there. And um, this is from her first uh, birthday party that I was ever at when I was ever with her for her first birthday that we were together. Nice. Very cool. Um, and then, so you guys were dating for a while and we would hear the updates occasionally. Uh, and then eventually, I don't know, let me just see. Oh, I don't have these labeled, so I'm not really sure the order. Eventually, uh, whoop, <laughs> eventually I had you, uh, we had a show. Uh, Sonia was now pregnant uh, and we had a show to do the gender reveal for you guys. Uh, which was so cool because you uh, you knew the gender uh, or no you didn't know the gender. I didn't, I didn't know. The other uh, we had it set up that you had it set up and would send the information to Jesse and then Jesse would be the only one to know. That's right. And so you you had these uh, these onesies made up, yeah. uh, which were uh, basically uh, Jesse Blaze's logo right here, Jesse Blaze, and then the live stream of consciousness. You had a. Uh, a blue one and a pink one made and, and unfortunately we didn't get them in time but fortunately you were able to send us photos of them yeah. uh so we had these photos of them and and we did the gender reveal hold on a second uh that was that was the photo that i used for the thing there and then uh <laughs> i remember I, we i screwed up because uh i used this like random wheel thing uh to spin and and just to pretend that that might be what the gender was going to be and and it turned out 
wrong. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but I did uh, I did create this to do the gender reveal. So we're gonna reveal the gender. Uh, we're gonna go through this again. And this was a bit little. Yeah, so that was awesome. I give you a cool piece of information that uh, you, you weren't aware of at that time. Um, I was in the background, like watching that, and my cell phone, for some reason, you said we're going to, you had asked us if we wanted to use the metal, that metal music, or that you had a different one, you said. And yeah. I said that Shania wants to use the, uh, the, the metal. metal one. Yeah. <laughs> and what happened was, Right when you started doing a countdown, my phone like it messed up a little bit, and I was like, "I'm trying to listen." I, I and all of a sudden, if, so if you watch the original one, when you get to say the reveal at first, I kind of pause and I'm like, "I'm trying to figure out what was just said," and then I realize, "Oh, it's a boy." I'm like, "Yeah." So I didn't hear the reveal exactly at that moment. I had to catch up because Sania had her volume off, and you see her going nuts. But I didn't know at first. I'm like, wait, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. And that was that was just such a cool experience for us. I think uh, we were excited. So yeah, Jesse had blue and pink silly string. I think, and and yeah. he sprayed himself with the with the blue. Uh, to, yeah. to do the reveal. So that was just a lot of fun. And from that, uh, Taryn was born. I did not, I didn't know how you felt. I mean, I know you share some pictures, but I didn't no want to like, yeah, I didn't want to grab them and show them and stuff. Yeah. But, but your baby boy was born. And, and again, this is, to me, this is such a Victoria story from what we were talking about all night long. I think we actually lost a couple of viewers because they were just like so upset about all of the medical stuff that was happening to you. Um, but after all of that stuff, you know, to to really truly find love, um, and and again, I think more so is is who you are, uh, the testament to your energy and your positivity. You know, you've always been such a an amazingly positive person. Um, you know, never complaining about all of the hardship that you've been through, you know, even the way you discuss your ex, you know, I can hear there's love there. You know what I mean? There's like, hey, this person was important to me. And it's unfortunate that, you know, that's where they were at. But, but, you know, there's this acceptance, there's this authentic, um, unconditional love that you exhibit. So, you know, kudos to you for that. And I think that's why we're friends and that's why you like the live stream of consciousness. Hopefully that's something that you, you see in the show, a little bit of a reflection of that. Um, I, I, I don't even really know where to go with you, Tim, because I feel like I want to give you so much more time. Uh, but it's already, it's 1048 over here. Um, and I, and, and I feel like maybe we should have you back. Um, and, and maybe I should even prepare some questions about, uh, the 25 personalities that you had to deal with the, sure. the medical, uh, stuff that you have to deal with that I'm, I'm sure you still deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, just your, the way you get through each day is so different than the way some, some other people do. And you have to really pay more attention to a lot of things, um, that, that, you need to survive so uh you know much kudos to you 
um, for, for being who you are and for always seriously bringing your energy to the live stream. I think it's, it's important. The type of people that, that I like to be around and I, and that I feel like the show attracts, um, so, so with that being said, I, I do want to wrap it up and, and, and just say that we'll have you back. Uh, uh, and, and Lily agrees. We need Tim to finish his story. Uh, so, so until we have you back, we'll talk about getting you back on the show and, and going through more of the story. But, um, what, what do you have to say to my audience as far as like a live stream of consciousness, uh, piece of, uh, advice or, word of wisdom or anything like that. I mean, I'm sure people can learn a lot from you. I would say the biggest thing, it might not be the most profound thing, but don't worry about what you can do. Just do what you can do. And don't be afraid to try anything. It doesn't matter if you try it and you suck at it. Just try everything because if you don't, you don't know what you what you can do and what you can't do. I love that. And when you learn some of the things you can do that you didn't know, it's like, wow, I didn't know I could do this. And it's, um, it's amazing because you got to push yourself. And if you don't push yourself, you're kind of like not really living anyway, because you mm -hmm. just get stuck in that one little box and you're doing the same thing constantly, constantly. Mm -hmm. And you're not, there's no challenge. There's no nothing new. There's no nothing exciting. There's, there's just nothing that you're, putting out into the world that you can say, you know, this is what I'm contributing because like mm -hmm. everybody wants to say everybody's special. I think that's true to a degree, but if you don't do anything special, then how special are you? Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Well, you know what? That's a good point. Everybody is special, but they've got to, they've got to be that special that they are in order to, to, to be that special. Like Jill, Jilly says, just show up. This is uh, this is just show up, and and I think that's really an extension of what you're saying, or what you're saying is an extension of just show up, and that you know if you don't show up, nothing happens, you know what I mean. Exactly. But if you do show up, not only are you bringing yourself to that situation, but then the magic will happen, and that's also you know a philosophy that I feel like I wish people would think about, and that is when you go into a situation, no matter what that situation is go with the attitude of what can I bring with me into this situation? Not what am I going to get out of this situation? Um, and I think that's a big thing. People are always looking for what do they get? What do they get? And if you just go into a situation with what do you give, you're going to get back a million percent, you know? And I would say always try to bring humor and try to bring, uh, be the light in the room. Try to be the one that everybody uh. says, Damn, I want that guy here. I, I love I that. Want the guy to get him out. <laughs> I love that. I totally love that. Well, well, thanks for being the guy in the room today and bringing your light. Uh, like I said, I do appreciate it. I'm gonna just sign off with you here, but hang on in the green room, uh, and and we'll talk. And uh, I'm gonna say. Yeah, I know we went a real long time, but any chance we could share at least one or two poems? Oh, you know what? Yeah, I'm so sorry. I, I, I have them here. You know what? I I, I just I, I didn't want to lose. Sure. I didn't want to lose everybody. But uh, is there a particular one uh, or two that you want me to bring up? I, I see some of the titles here. So, uh, uh, yeah, I like uh, Sun Bleached. All right, that's the one I'm looking at right now. Hold on a second, Sun Bleached Memories. Uh, but, 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 oh, where did it go? Comet of our love. Uh, 
Oh wait, I just had it. Hold on. Yeah, these are all great. These all are great. I was reading through them before, and and they and and maybe we could even do a bunch of them because they are pretty short. I'm gonna have you read them uh, if you can. So there we go. Okay. Sun bleached memories fight with moon faded dreams, causing a contorted illusion as the mind tries to untwist reality. Don't pull on the threads of fate, or you'll unravel time. Searching the vast universe for answers, but the truths lie deep in the chaotic recesses of your mind. Mm. Nice, nice, love that. Um, here we go. Let's go with another one. There are millions of stars in a universe so vast, shining brightly nightly, but forever they can't last. They're the ghosts of the Stygian black night sky, cursed every night to twinkle long after they die. Already burnt out, they're faded. Fading glossy snapshots of the past. Yeah, beautiful. So, so uh, when you're writing your poetry, I mean, these things are just kind of coming out. I mean, it's. I mean, I know uh, on these on these specific ones, I took them from my my Twitter, and what they would do is they would give us a prompt word, mm. and I I like the idea that they would give me a word and then give me a limit that I have to get my point across and and hit it hard quickly like mm. that because mm. sometimes you can get stuck in doing something a bit longer and it doesn't have the same impact. So I love the mm -hmm. challenge. Of it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right, let's go through a couple more of these. Uh... Kissing as we ride the comet of our love, the moon serenades us whilst the stars twinkle in unison as beacons to guide us. The planets change orbit and circulate us, or circulate our passions, burning brighter than the sun and the allure of our love stronger than the gravitational pull. Jealous aliens watch. <laughs> I love that that little ending. Uh, and here's another nice one. I love this. Our brief affair is my idolic affliction. With elation, I remember when we danced forever in a day, kissed infinitely in a night, and embraced eternally in a dream. Every night, I watch those fading 35 millimeter memories from a balcony seat in the theater of my mind. Awesome. Awesome. So, so uh, again, I, I I build you as a uh, musician, an artist, um, uh, a poet, and and here's some of your poetry. Is there? I don't remember if we've discussed it. Is do you have a website where people can see this stuff, or just is it your Twitter? Basically, I have my Twitter, and I I put them up sometimes on on Facebook. I I haven't done it in a long time because mm -hmm. I I don't have a website or anything. Actually, to be honest, until my my, my divorce when uh, everything well when it started going falling apart uh basically what um is that i didn't do that for a long time i was so caught up in being sick and so mm -hmm. caught up in my ex-wife stuff that i just didn't have time to do anything mm -hmm. so after i came out of that black bubble that i was in of depression and even in that yeah. time i started writing but uh I, I started on Twitter. I, I actually didn't have a cell phone up until that point until my, my wife had one. I didn't need one. So no, I got no. I, it. was crazy. So, um, but that's a point where I started doing everything. So mm -hmm. up at this point, I don't, other than that little bit that I had on, on Twitter, I, I don't have a lot. Yet, so but I have plans. <laughs> you know what? So I was going to say, this is actually, uh, you You just made me happy and, and excited because I know I've actually seen you uh, playing some songs. You wrote some original songs. Um, so to know that this is uh, not something that you've been trying to do for years, but something kind of new as you're coming out and coming into your authentic self, uh, that makes me really happy because I feel like, 
we're going to get to see a lot more of this and that oh, gives yeah. us another reason to have you back and maybe showcase Absolutely. some some music and 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 work with you on that stuff so uh, that's awesome man i'm excited well kudos to you like i said for uh just being such a warrior in life and and being rewarded for that for that fight you know with with the love and the family that you that you're surrounded with now um and the family here at the live stream of consciousness we we love having you here and and love you being a part of this um so that is awesome um i believe uh next week uh i have uh, let me take a quick look at my calendar. I know I always say, oh, I don't have my calendar up, uh, but I do want to tell. Next week is going to be another great, interesting episode. I actually have uh, my dentist coming on. Uh, oh, his wow. name his name is Joe Morris, and and he became my dentist through uh, a weekend, uh, uh, I guess a weekend workshop that I went to that was like a spiritual workshop, and we did a lot of all these spiritual exercises, and I ended up being put in a hotel room with him because it was in New Jersey and we became friends and then he became my dentist. Uh, And he's really big into like Tony Robbins and a a lot of the, the self-help gurus. And so he's, he's got a lot of great insight. So he's going to be on the show next week. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I will see everybody next week, Tim, we will see you here again soon. Uh, Like I said, hang out after the the outro and, uh, and we'll say goodbye proper until next week, folks. Peace. Oh, no,